no matter like how far you are from where you want to be, mm-hmm. like don't lose hope of where you want to be and what you know you can do and just keep working towards that. Like, and it may take years. Like it, it was really like seven years, I think, from me going from like, okay, I want to have a software company to like actually having it happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of detours and whatever, but like keep working at it um, and eventually like, I think your dreams will come true. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that we talk about often is the value of networking and meeting up different people at tech events, Web3 events and uh, business events, uh, whatever it is that you want to call it. But other thing, as you all know, that we talk about tech is new black is breaking into tech, scaling in tech, starting your own tech business. Well, our guest today actually encompasses both of those, the starting the tech business as he is a, a dual founder. I might find out he's a founder of something else because I've been embarrassing myself when we were talking behind the scenes. But that's some BTS stuff that we're not going to talk about. Uh, but one, he's a dual founder of uh, two different software companies and he and I had the opportunity to meet at a networking event. So again, you're going to find dope people at these events like our guest today, Brandon Bayer, who we have. So I'm going to go ahead and read off his bio. So that way you all understand entirely who he is, put a little bit of respect on his name. So Brandon is the co-founder and CEO of Flight Control and the creator of Blitz.js. He's deeply passionate about helping people reach their dreams and about making development and entrepreneurship more accessible. Outside of work, he loves flying helicopters right right side up and airplanes upside down. Now, the reason why, and this is the piece that I put in here, so uh, I believe that this interview will really help those that are looking to not just break into tech, but those that have dreams of being a successful founder. Uh, so I believe that just really through hearing his story, it can give insights um, just for a bit of a blueprint in a, in a way as to like different routes that you can take and also maybe some struggles and hurdles that you might deal with and how sometimes launching one thing can set you up for launching a bigger and greater thing later on. So uh, Brandon, thank you so much for being on here. Texas New Black, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So when I uh, met you at the event, there were, there were a couple of people. I can't remember who it was. I, I thought it was Jared. Uh, who I'm, I'm sure, you know, those of you that follow me are familiar with who, who Jared is. I thought it was Jared that um, so maybe he had mentioned you to me and someone else might have actually introduced me to you. Uh, but I know there were a few people that were there. They're like, oh, man, this is like a, a dope person to talk to. And so then, of course, like after we connected, I got to check you out. I was like, oh, this actually is like super dope. Like, definitely. So, yeah, happy, happy to have you here. Thank you. Hey, man. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into these questions. All right. So uh, first and foremost, what got you started on your journey in tech? And how did you go from an employee to a tech consultant? So my dad was an electrical engineer. Okay. And I was like, okay, that seems kind of cool. All right, I'll like yeah. try that. And so I went to college for electrical engineering. Uh, but in the process of that course, I took a software class. And it was in that class that I was like, oh, now this is actually fun. Yeah. Like, this is what I want to do. Okay. Um, and so I got a job as an intern as a software intern doing embedded development with C programming language. Okay. So this is not web development, like this is the embedded systems programming. Um, but that was how I got started. Yeah. So was, so hearing you say that, okay, you went from electrical engineering to once you start checking out software engineering, you're like, oh, this is cool. Are you one of those, I guess, 1% where like your brain just worked that way? Like once you kind of saw it and got into it, it was like, now obviously I'm sure everything didn't click right away, but would you say for the most part, it was something that you had a bit of a natural knack for? I think so, yes. Yes, that is not me. I thought I was one of those people that could do anything. Like 
of course, I'm sure I could do anything. We could do anything we put our minds to. But I thought I could put probably about 50% of my mind to it. <laughs> and I'm not one of those people at all. I have, a, I have a bunch of homeboys that they're like that. But I realized my mind, I said, oh, this is something that'll probably take me about like a year of like really. And I was like, yeah, that's just not my skill set. So definitely, uh, yeah, just admire your brain for uh, for working that way. Um, so so you ended up becoming a software developer. Interesting. I, I know a few different people um, who, well, real quick question. Uh, and I think this will help our audience. Is there a difference at all between a software developer and software engineer? Why are those? I know those terms are used interchangeably, but is there a difference at all? In my mind, no. Yeah, They're basically the, the same. Um, I think it, it maybe kind of stems from like web developer. Like yeah. you don't really hear web engineer. Yeah, no, and web, web developer is is kind of, in my mind, like thinking back to maybe the origins, it's like building simple websites. Like yeah. it's not, you're not like coding this complex software system where yeah. like an engineer is more like designing these complex systems, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff you don't know, you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so software engineer like, like really kind of brings that, that more complex side in there. Okay. Um, so I think most people are happy to call themselves software engineers these days yeah. because it like, a lot of the stuff we're doing, even if it's a simple website, at the end of the day, there's a lot of complexity going on. Yeah, no, I, I know there's definitely a lot of pieces. I've uh, hired a few different engineers for various tasks, and in my mind, I thought, oh, this isn't that much. Like, I would have an idea, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty simple to do. And and uh, usually before I do that now, I consult with a few friends of mine <laughs> that are some principal engineers, and I'm like, hey, like, if I hire someone, like, how much should I kind of put out there to pay them? And sometimes they'll say like, "Oh man, that's simple. Like just this and the third is nothing yeah. deep at all. I could do that for you real quick." Or sometimes they'll say, "Man, <laughs> you think that sounds simple, but that's really complex." And yeah. so it's really interesting how the things that oftentimes uh, you know the user sees on our end can think that, "Oh, that that's not much at all." And it's like, "No, that's really complex to do that." Yeah, it's not intuitive for like non people not in software about like what is hard to do and what is not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, all right. So now after being a, well, I guess one of the pieces that we get to touch on too much. So we got to talk about you being an employee, but you kind of getting to being a tech consultant, like what was that exactly? So, uh, early on, I really got smacked in the face with corporate bullshit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that, so what happened was I was an intern okay. making like $16 an hour. And at what point, at what point in time was this? So this was 2010 when I got my first job as an intern. Okay. Graduated college like 2012, um, and so I was an intern and at the same company. And I was like, okay, you know, like when I graduate, like I'm going to get a starting level engineer salary, mm-hmm. which at the time in the, in the area was like 60k. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go from the 30k intern salary to 60k. Um, but when it, when the time came and I graduated, they're like, oh, uh, that's too big of a raise to give you in one year. Like, what? We can give you like up to 45k, not all the way to 60. You know, did but, they know that you were making only 30k at the time? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, because this because so you're in the internship, yeah, and then same company. You, and like, like I wanted to stay there after I graduated, and they're like, no, we can't give you that much of a raise. I was just like, what? And they're like, yeah, we, we but we appreciate so this, you. This is what you talk about with the corporate BS, yes, okay. And so, this is more like it's not a tech company, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a massive global. Like organization, they make like construction equipment and tools and things like that. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not like a it's not like a modern tech company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good that you touch on that because one of the things that uh, we talked to our audience a lot about is hey, you can do a tech job at a non tech company, which is cool. But at the same time, sometimes the downsides to that could be that they it's not going to be the same tech culture and the same benefits exactly. that are uh, in this industry. Yes. Yeah. So that was that was like one of the seeds that was like, okay, like I need a different kind of company, a different kind of job. Yeah. Um, fast forward a few years, I read a book called Getting Real by Base, the Basecamp founders. Mm-hmm. It's a small oh, yeah, book. Yeah, Basecamp, yeah. Um, and that like oh, really opened my mind to like, oh, me as like nobody but knows how to code can build my own software company and like make money on the internet like relatively easy. That's like, true. Not easy, but like much easier than like making something like a piece of hardware, like starting a restaurant or whatever, like takes more capital and things. Yeah. But to start a software company, it's relatively simple. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was like the second thing. Third thing was uh, the CEO comes to town one day like to do a presentation or whatever. And this is that same company yes, that you're at? this okay. big company, global company. And the CEO is there and like there's thousands of people in the audience or whatever. Uh, and I was like, look, watching him and I was like, I deserve his job. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I should, I, like, I should be. Yeah, up there, I can do that. Um, and then, kind of the last thing was like, sometime in there, I realized that I was really only able to give like 15% of my capacity mm-hmm. at work. The, like, why, there was just so many that? skills that I could bring okay. to the table that I just wasn't able to. Also, like, basically, you're saying that there are other things, other skill sets you had, but yes. they were limiting you yes. to that. As like a mid level developer, yeah. like, I'm there to like, you know, code some stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not letting me like influence marketing or like any of the other stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I could be doing a lot better job if you just let me be the CEO. <laughs> Man, that, that's so crazy how, and, and I'm, obviously they didn't allow you to, to get CEO. I guess how far along did they, or how high up did they promote you to? So I, I, I mean, I didn't really get promoted too much. Like I, yeah. I was that mid-level kind of developer. Yeah. I was getting towards, I was towards senior level. Um, but at the time, I was trying to get a job at startups because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, a startup, smaller team, I could use more of my skills. Yeah. And I saw the like the tech culture and stuff, and I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. Like my company was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so I was trying really hard to get a job as a startup, but like no one would give me the time of day because I'm just like this guy at the time. I was living in Minneapolis, at you know just a random company. Mm-hmm. So I finally like gave up on getting a job as a at a, a startup and i was mm-hmm. like i'm just going to go be a consultant because then <coughs> i'm the boss and i can like really manage my own stuff yeah and so i was like okay i'm going to be a consultant um but that's kind of a process like where do you even start mm-hmm. right um especially because around what time like what year was this so this would have been 2017. Okay, cool. All right, so we're we're getting to an area, a era yeah. where okay, now you can leverage. I was like, start, I was senior too. level. I could I could go like build something from scratch. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, <clears throat> I was actually leaving, moving out of the out of the state at that time, mm-hmm. and so I like had to quit that job, and I needed something else. I was like, okay, that's a perfect time to be a consultant, like yeah. do the, make the switch. Um. So I was trying to find clients, and I just like wasn't finding any. And so finally, a month before we were moving, I told the company, I was like, hey, uh, I'm leaving, and um, but I'm happy to stay on as a consultant if you want, because like I know you're oh. wanting me to build this new web app that like not really anyone else in the company knows how to do except for me. Yeah. So I'm happy to just like be a consultant and, and work for you. 
but it'll be remote because yeah. I didn't have a remote. Yeah, this is before you know, the remote work yeah. boom. And they're like, uh, okay. Yeah. And so that was like, that was a huge moment because uh, I went from working 40 hours a week to 30 hours a week. Mm. I went from being in the office to remote and my salary almost tripled overnight. Sheesh. For doing the same work. That's correct. So, so you got a huge pay increase, tri- yes. triple, working less hours and working remote. Yes. All by you taking that huge step and being like, hey, yes. look, uh, man, were you nervous like when you when you came to him about it or kind of what yeah, was your, I, mean, I, I, was I know like, you had to make the decision. Either yeah. Way, I mean, but, like I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, yeah. you know, uh, like I'm going to need some money, but yeah. like, like I just trusted that it would work out somehow. Yo, that's crazy. Crazy. Did you? So did you ask them for that? I'm, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, look, yeah. so you asked them for three times as much. Well, so the, I mean, they they were like, okay, well, like, what rate do you want? And so I gave them a rate. Um, I think I I think I quoted them like 125 an hour. Yeah. And they came back with like max we can do is 110, which is even like a bit higher than like they normally would. Yeah. Um, and I was did, like, okay. Did you intend? I'm, I'm assuming you kind of went a little bit higher just to kind of push it a bit, or, or I mean, were you I, really like, like no, I, I had already had another like very small client for 125 an hour. Oh, okay. Um, and so I kind of used, and I like I knew some other seniors in the industry were getting about that much, and so that's what I used to start with. But yeah, I was 110. Okay, still yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, that's incredible, especially to to go. So you that's when so you went from the the 45. K to the one twenty five an hour, thirty hours a week working remote. That's man, I bet that was pretty sweet. I bet oh, you yeah. hype about that. Oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> All right, so and that so between them and the the other client that you were working with, that's what really got you started on your journey as being yes. a consultant. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so I guess going from there, did you just continue picking up like other clients? Did you kind of like add them into your your resume or portfolio and use that to pitch to other clients? Yeah. So I ended up doing consulting for about four years. And I only needed about one new client per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't have this like sustainable pipeline of new clients or anything. It was just like when I needed a client, I would go like tweet about it, like LinkedIn, go to meetups, like what any way I could uh, to like find find that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like some of them I had some repeat work with too. So it ended up working out pretty well. Um, it was really good for me because most of them were non-technical founders. Yeah. Like, like solo founder so like a very small startup yeah they don't really know how to build it um and so they just tell me what they want and then i get to choose how i build it and like i'm like the boss you know yeah and so that that was like the best kind of consulting the worst kind is where you're like brought in to some team and mm-hmm. you don't have much you know freedom to decide like mm-hmm. what you're doing yeah. um, but it'll still pay the bills but the best is where you can yeah so that's dope because at that point, once you became a consultant, that was your first time really, I guess, fully getting to do what it is you wanted to do, where it's like, man, you were able to bring more of your skill set. Yes. So it's not just you, it's not just you coding, but it's like, hey, now you, I mean, you being a consultant, yeah. you being a, a business owner in a way, yes. a partner in a way. Yeah. Me. So I, and, you know, I was able to uh, take like the requirements of what they wanted to happen mm-hmm. and like help design like the user experience for that. Like how should it be and like help design what it would look like. Um, and that was like super helpful for someone who like is kind of vague about like okay I'm, I know I need to like make this thing happen but I have no idea how to do it or what's the best way to do it and and I was just able to deliver that to them. Yeah. Hey y'all, we have some incredible incredible news that I'm super excited about to finally announce our private tech community. Yes, yes, you heard that right. 
a private tech community exclusively for you all who want more than just a podcast, you want more than just the FAQs, you wanna talk with tech recruiters, you wanna talk with, with hiring managers, you wanna talk with coaches, you wanna talk with people that can help with editing and rewriting your resume. Maybe you're somebody where you just wanna be a part of a community where we're talking about updates of what's happening in the software industry. Y'all, this community that we've launched is also going to involve a Discord where we're gonna be talking about updates in tech, we're gonna be talking about companies that are hiring, we're gonna be talking about upcoming tech events, so that way you don't have to miss any of the gems that I know, but not even just what I know, but the gems that friends of mine that are also in the tech industry know as well. So if you wanna be a part of that community, go ahead and sign up so that way you can join us. We have a few different tiers. Ultimately, it's all tuned in for you. Oh, and last thing, also within this community, we're gonna be streaming all of our interviews with our podcast guests. So instead of you having to wait months to watch the videos later on, you will actually be able to watch the interviews in real time and ask your live questions to those guests. So make sure you join our tech community. One thing I, I wanna ask really quickly, because I, I, I have a, a few friends uh, who are consultants right now and but I have uh, others that are consultants and they're in the, the cybersecurity uh, side of things. And so what would your word of advice be to someone who they're like, hey, I would love to be a consultant at some point, you know, like whether there's someone who's entry level maybe, or they are principal or senior level, like what, I guess, just from those different angles, different routes that they can take to step out and become a consultant. So you definitely want some experience under your belt. Yeah. Uh, so like I wouldn't recommend juniors or people new to the industry to like go straight into consulting. Yeah. You're better to work with a team where you can learn from more senior people mm -hmm. and like you can gain experience much much more quickly that way and skills. Um, the it's super helpful to know business stuff. Like you really need you're going to do better if you know how to like if you know what. Is it required to make a business function? Yeah. What a business thinks because somebody's going to be hiring you. It's probably going to be some kind of business person. Yeah. And so you need to be able to speak on their level and um, speak in a way that like that they're going to resonate with instead of just like coming in and just talking about all oh, the code and I'm going to use this language or framework. You're like, no, you need to be <laughs> talking about okay. So you need you need to make some money and like okay, I'm going to like help you make that money and like um, yeah. and so reading books. Um, blogs, things like that, uh, like Patio 11. Uh, you said Patio 11? Patio 11 um, is, uh, he's kind of a, he was famous on Hacker News sometime back mm -hmm. um, as a sort of an entrepreneur. Uh, he works at Stripe now um, on their Stripe Atlas program. And he has like huge blog posts uh, throughout the last like 20 years. And he really like talked about this um, communicating business value and like speaking yeah. to business people. And that's really, really helpful. Did you ever so while you were uh, while you were a consultant, did you ever outsource? So like so, so a couple of my friends actually when I first was getting becoming curious uh, about about the software industry, I was work kind of similar. I had an idea for a business and it was it was an idea for an app, and someone connected me with uh, a close friend of mine now, but they connected me with him. They said, oh yeah, well you need an engineer. And he's now he's he's a he's a CTO at one tech company, a principal engineer. He's he's just a person who just he he works so many hours. It's just like he lives to work. And so, but at the time when I met him, we were working together on this this app, and we were spending a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time hanging out. And I was like, man, I never see this guy working, but he w was always 
getting contracts. He would accept contracts from different companies. And I ended up asking him, I was like, man, how are you, how are you making so much money? <laughs> and I was like, and you're free all the time. I said, dude, you have more free time than I do. <laughs> and he told me, he said, oh yeah, I get contracts. Companies reach out to me for contracts. He says, I'll, I'll hire a couple people that are trying to kind of like build up their resume. He says, so if a company pays me like $100,000 and they give me four or five months to knock something out, he says, I'll accept three contracts like that and I'll hire two two or three people to do it and I'll pay each of them like 25000 from it. And some, something I'm sure you're familiar with. But I'm curious, like, and of course, obviously, so he would just oversee their work and check in with it a few times out the week, make corrections, you know, make certain adjustments. And I was like, that's freaking smart. But at that point, he had built up his resume to where he was at a consultant right. level. Companies were like reaching out to him like crazy. Yes. Is that something you ever did or you consider doing or had friends that did the same thing? Yeah. So that's getting to the next part of the story, which okay, is cool. Blitz, Blitz.js. Okay, cool. So right. like... Um, I had learned web development through Ruby on Rails, mm -hmm. which is a batteries included framework that just makes you really productive. Like basically it has everything you need in the box okay. to, to build a web app. And I was building with JavaScript and in JavaScript, there is no like batteries included framework mm -hmm. like this. It's like you have to go and like, you know, buy like one end of the battery and the other end of the battery and the battery middle and put it together and then like build the whole like car or whatever it is. Um, and so you have to assemble everything from scratch. And I was like, this is crazy. Like we need something like the Ruby on Rails for JavaScript. And um, at the time I was, I was like working towards having a software company, mm -hmm. but there was, I didn't have any idea yet that I knew was gonna be like, yeah, like this is the thing to work on. Mm -hmm. It was just like some stuff I was hacking on, on okay. the side. So that was kind of like a hobby while you were had plans about working yes. on something else. And so, through my experience as a consultant, like I was building a lot of new applications, which was, I was having this pain point around um, just making it easier to build apps. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led to the idea of like, hey, I could actually build this thing. Like I, I kind of had this idea one day about the different parts that existing, like pieces in the, of software out there that yeah. I could hook together in like a unique way and, and package it up in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. And I could just feel like the, the um, potential impact of it. I was like, mm -hmm. this is not a business. It's an open source thing. It's not gonna make money, but I have to try it. Yeah. Um, and so, but but one thing I, I re I'm really big on is not spending a lot of time on something until you've proven it, that mm -hmm. it's actually like a good idea. And so <laughs> yeah. before I built this thing, like I had a couple hundred lines of prototype code, like basically nothing. Mm -hmm. And I went on Twitter and I was like, Introducing Blitz.js, like the great latest and greatest. Oh, to like see how what to people's reaction was going to be. Yeah, and I was like, you know, it's going to improve your productivity. It's going to make it so much easier to build apps. It's going to do X, Y, and Z. And I had this whole thread, um, and it went viral. What? But at the end, I was like, oh, by the way, it doesn't really exist yet. Yeah. I need help to. <laughs> I need help to like really make this a reality. That's great. So, oh my gosh, that's like. So y'all know if, if y'all, of course, those of y'all that have been following, you know, we, we talk different times about, you know, MVP or minimum viable product or, you know, lean startup model where it's like, hey, you start with the bare minimum, which is something that's super common in the industry. But it's like, yo, you start in whatever industry you're in, if, if you if you are a clothing designer or 
Uh, I don't know, like whatever it is that you're in, I always preach, hey, start with the bare minimum thing you need because you will hate it if you, you know, if you're that person that, you know, it's the, the turn of the year and you buy all this Jimmy, Jimmy equipment and all these workout clothes and it's like you spent a thousand dollars and then like you don't even last three days in the gym. Now you're just upset. It's like it's better just for you to start with what you have and then like see, see if it's actually valuable. But you went a step further. You're like, hey, I'm not going to start with anything. <laughs> you said, I'm going to just put a post up on social media and see see if this is something people really want. It went viral. Yes. That's crazy. That's smart. Yeah, so I had, <laughs> I had like uh, about 45 people, I think, respond, like give me their emails saying that they were interested in helping in some way and ended up like, Roughly 15 to 20 of those actually did help in, in some way. Um, and so we got I got a designer that like designed the logo for free and the website for free. Like um, so that was that was awesome. And then a bunch of people, developers to help like build it out. That's that's why so based they did that just based off the concept alone. Like so based off of you explaining, yes. talking about it, yes. They were like, yo, we want this, we believe in this, we'll get behind this. Yeah. That is so cool. That's a huge gym. I hope no one, no one listening, watching. I hope y'all do not sleep on that. That's a huge, and I love that because that's that's something that's so easily like kind of copy and paste for whatever it is that uh, people are doing. That is super dope. So that was the the foundation of Blitz.js. Yes. Okay. So that was, that was day one. Um, so got busy building it, um, and I think it was like four months until we launched kind of the first alpha version mm -hmm. that you could actually kind of use. Um, and so during that time, I was spending around, I think it was around like 30 hours a week working on Blitz.js, mm -hmm. which is an open source project. So if anyone doesn't know what open source means, it means that the code is just open on the internet. Anyone can see it, anyone can use it, anyone can contribute to it. Um, and most of the software in the world is like built on open source as mm -hmm. kind of the foundations. And so- Is that, is that now or was, was that the case at the time? It was the case at the time too. Yeah. Okay. Like Linux, like most web servers run on Linux and Linux is open source, yeah. it's free. Okay, um, cool. And So I was working 30 hours a week on this open source project and about 20 hours a week doing consulting. Okay. And so I was making enough, like 125 an hour or something that only on 20 hours a week is still fine salary and I was yeah. actually in Thailand at the time, so. Uh, oh, so, even the, so you're living, that's what, like, <laughs> that's almost 400,000 a year or something like <laughs> that, living out there. Yeah, um, wow. So. What so was, that's what, what I was what, doing stop, for like. Sidebar, what was living in Thailand like? Oh, it was Thailand is my favorite place in the world. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. I never. I gotta go to Thailand. We gotta go to yes. Thailand. Yes. Do if anyone wants tips, to like hit me up. The, trip. <laughs> the, uh, the I love the tropical islands, especially. Mm -hmm. It's just like paradise, like amazing beaches, warm water, sunshine, amazing food, and so I like I like to go for like a month at a time or more, and the living my living expenses for an entire month is one thousand three hundred dollars. That includes a room, like a decent room. Mm -hmm. It includes motorbike rental, co-work, and eating out three times a day. Eating out three times a day? Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's actually like, if someone is, is trying to get a business off the ground, like a software business that's remote, yeah. That's actually a good way to save money is like just go move. Yeah, to you can Thailand. just move out there. That's really smart. Did you do it with that intended goal or were you just like, oh, I just really want to be in Thailand? Yeah, I, I was just wanting to kind of experience the digital nomad life Yeah, in Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, so I, it wasn't going there just to save the money, but it was definitely a nice benefit. 
Okay, cool. This is actually cool. I'm learning like a lot, like a lot about you as well as the way that you did that where you put that out. That was so smart what you did when you put that out. So now coming back around to the question you asked a little bit ago, Mm -hmm. um, after about a year, it was, yeah, it was about a year into Blitz Mm -hmm. or even maybe a little bit less, I was like, okay, I'm spending too much time on this. Like, um, or actually I was spending too much time consulting. I was wanting to spend more time on Blitz. Okay. And so I hired a consultant to actually do the work for me. Yeah. And so I was doing the subcontracting like like your your friend was. Yeah, okay. Um, And so I did end up doing that for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to only spend like a couple hours a week on the actual consulting work and the rest of my time on Blitz and then eventually flight control. That, man, that's so smart. That's something that. In, in the, the side of tech that I worked in, there is no me doing something like that. Like me kind of uh, have a, all, all the roles I, I've been in have been uh, up until now. I've been like customer facing roles. So, yeah, don't know any of y'all that are <laughs> tech sales or sales engineers think that you could do that. I, I have people message me and saying, hey, because because early on, I've had a couple like there was one friend that I had on. We're friends now, but he was in cybersecurity and he was explaining how there were certain things he would automate, certain things he'd be able to delegate. And he was doing the whole job stacking thing. And a lot of people were messaging me like, hey, how can I job stack like as an accountant? Said, you can't, like, you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I've met a couple people that that try, they, they actually work at two companies and account executives and they are stressed. And it's like, it's not worth it. Like, yeah. why are you doing it? Cause it's like, there's no way you could perform efficiently, like in, in a in an outstanding way at your company. It's like, it's better just to work at one, kill it, crush it, get promoted, yep. you know, move up the ranks, it, it, it's like it's better to do that than just be stressed out just as you want to make a little bit extra money but, um, yeah so uh, man super cool so let's uh, so next question I have on here alright now your current business is flight control uh, which is a AWS deployment platform uh, that's a great tool for developers now I understand on a high level what that is uh, it being a deployment platform uh, but uh, please explain to our audience of people that are from principal cloud engineers all the way down to people that are just now learning what the tech industry is, like what that means exactly. Sure, so AWS is Amazon Web Services. Yes. And it runs around two thirds of the internet. Mm -hmm. And AWS is really awesome. Uh, They have these uh, really robust primitives, these low level building blocks for running web servers and other stuff you need to, to run internet software. Um, but you need like five to 15 different AWS components assembled together in just the right way in order to actually like run a website. So it is like really low level and, it, and you have to like know a lot um, and it's just a ton of pain to like get it all to work correctly yeah. and right. Um, and so that, that's like kind of the, the cloud. That's like what the cloud is. Yeah. And so um, but that's like too hard for the average person <laughs> to like, to use, right? And so um, it was like maybe 15 years ago, uh, there was a platform called Heroku that was created. I remember Heroku. I don't remember what it does, but I remember Heroku. (laughs) Yeah, so Heroku is this wrapper around AWS Mm -hmm. that's a higher level abstraction that, you know, assembles all those pieces together for you and just Mm -hmm. gives you a much more simple interface for deploying an application. And so it's very easy for like an average developer just to deploy anything. and so that was like kind of a big revolution, um, making it much more accessible to you know build software for people. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, companies a lot of companies started there, but then you you outgrow it. 
like you, you scale and then uh, you don't, since it's just completely wraps AWS, mm -hmm. you don't have any access to go in and like customize stuff that you need. Okay. You don't have as good security and, and reliability and all of these. So this is with Heroku, correct? Yes. Okay. And so, but until now, you basically had this trade-off of things like Heroku. There's there's other things now like Vercel and, and Railway and so forth. But same concept. Mm -hmm. Easy to use, but has a lot of trade-offs um, and only will scale so far. Well, on the other hand is AWS, which will scale forever, is extremely reliable and powerful, but it's just a nightmare to use. And so, you know, one day I was like, I really love the developer experience of these other platforms like Heroku, yeah. like I, I need that. Like I can't go use AWS by myself. Mm -hmm. But there's other day AWS stuff that I want to use, but I can't because it's too hard. I was like, why can't you have the good developer experience yeah. and my own AWS account? And so that was that's the whole like story behind Flight Control was let's remove this trade off, this divide. Let's make AWS um, have this new abstraction level that will automate your AWS without completely abstracting it away. Yeah. And so we make your day-to-day -day life of a developer much easier because we automate it all, but it's still your own account and the, and the traffic is going directly to your AWS account mm -hmm. instead of through like some custom layer that we have. Looking for a job in tech can be tricky, but what if there's a way to automate the entire process? That's where Octoply.ai comes in. See, this software does all the work it takes for you to get hired from researching companies to scheduling interviews, and all you have to do is just show up. Octoply.ai is the first application of its kind that will find jobs that your top applicant for, apply to roles, reformat your resume, and manages interviews all while you sleep. So if you're tired of the tedious job search, try Octoply.ai today and let technology work for you. Man, that's so cool. I love how you were able to realize, okay, all right, I see the value that Heroku brings. And I, like you're able to find like just kind of that space in between and be like, hey, how about we create something that has the best of both worlds here? And I think more often than not, there are, a lot of people, and, and I, I love you, you you being an engineer, like you have an engineer mind, because a lot of people that, that watch our content are engineers, and they want to do something more, but one of the things that they kind of struggle with is trying to think, okay, well, how can I be creative? I'm not a creative. And just, you just sticking within your domain knowledge of of realizing, hey, that there's something that's missing here. Like, really, you, you just looked at your own pain, your yes. own pain, and you're like, man, there's not something out here that does this, this would be incredibly valuable. Okay, let's go ahead and create this thing. And I think the thing that's really wonderful about that is that people can really realize and kind of resonate with that where it's like, yo, if there's something you see that's missing, don't just kind of sit back and be like, man, I wish this thing was out there. It's like maybe you could be a person that could like step out there and actually create something like that. I think that's really cool. So uh, now how, when did you launch uh, Flight Control? Beginning of last year, so like a year and four months ago. Yeah. Okay. And what, I guess, what has the journey been like with flight control that's been similar or different from uh, from Blitz.js? So Blitz.js was an open source project. Um, and, you know, so in the flight control is a business. It's not open source. Yeah. Um, and the big difference was that uh, I got a co-founder um, and we needed to raise funding. Um, especially because I was doing blitz and consulting and trying to start another business on top. That's and I was like, lot. you know, there's no way I can do this. Like yeah. I need funding 
so that I can pay myself like a full salary, mm-hmm. not have to like do consulting and really be able to focus on it. Um, and you know, like I was, I was like very intentional about going and raising funding versus bootstrapping. Like some yeah. businesses are better to bootstrap, uh, dep- you know, depending on your situation. But yeah. I like, I need money to be able to actually build this. So if I can get your opinion, cause I'm right now, I'm working with a, a small team where we're developing a, a AI solution right now. And it's, it's built off of, excuse me if I sound ignorant, cause again, I'm not an engineer, uh, but it's it's built off of uh, software that's that's already been built out. That's one of the guys' uh, companies. Um, there, it's already been built out. And what we're doing right now is we're using open source um, AI platforms like ChatGPT and others, where we're working to integrate that and weave that into the software with the intended purpose of what it is that that we're that that is, is supposed to produce. And where I'm at in my mind, in my head, I'm thinking like, man, I think we could just bootstrap. I think we'll be totally fine because the the other two co-founders, they have other businesses. They're doing very well. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing pretty well. I'm like, I don't think we need money right away. But at the same time, I'm thinking through like, okay, well, maybe there's a lot of other value to us getting investors. Because on one end, it's like, okay, I don't want to like give a percentage of this away. That's the whole thought. <laughs> but it's like on the other end, it's like, but man... It's kind of like something something that uh, Eric you had shared with me before, where we were talking about the the Anthony O'Neill um, uh, connection. Uh, there's a network that that um, by the time this episode drops, will actually more than likely be a part of that network. I guess y'all will know because you'll be able to see in the in the in the description. Uh, but there's a network uh, that wants us to join join their network, and I was wrestling with it about the kind of percentage share of all of that. Something Eric said, he was kind of like, man, like it's better just to partner with people where there's opportunity than to just try to like have it all yourself and own it all yourself. And yeah. so, and I guess just from based on your perspective, someone who's someone who's who's wrestling kind of with that thought, and this of course would be for me, I'm being selfish, just for me, but also, you know, of course, for everyone else who finds value in this, I guess, how do you find like what decision to make on that? <clears throat> so to first address the thing of like giving up equity for, mm-hmm. for anything or, or someone, um, any situation. In my experience, it is like always worth it to give up the equity in exchange for a partnership, a collaboration, mm-hmm. as long as like the other side is like, you know, actually decent, yeah. whatever. Um, but in, in my experience, it's always been like the, the end result is like multiplied what it would have been without that. So mm. uh, like one example is a co-founder. Like, yeah, I give up 50% of my company to a co-founder. Like that's a lot of, you know, a lot of money or yeah, whatever. Lot, yeah. But like the end result is like so much more, it's gonna be bigger, it's yeah. more beautiful, more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also that way with my investors. Like I'm so thankful for my investors. Um, like they're, they make the whole thing better. Yeah. Um, so what what value because i understand the money component but when you're seeking out an investor because I'm, I'm sure someone like yourself i'm sure you're not just you didn't just accept investors just because they just have money in the early days you kind of just have to accept yeah. whatever you can <laughs> just, get <laughs> but thankfully we, we got some good ones so yeah okay cool okay cool all right that's cool all right oh man that's that's gonna i'm, I'm actually happy we started talking about this uh so but at some point uh, at some point, you do start being a bit more strategic about who you want as an investor. Yes. Based on yes. other value. Yeah, you want the money, but the yeah. value that they bring beyond that. Yes. And so to answer your question about like, should you get funding or not? Um, if you're going to traditional venture capital investors, 
they're expecting you to be at least a billion dollar business. Um, oh, and wow. so you can't in go concept, but not, not in, not no, in like, profits. In no, profit? well, a billion dollars company means in valuation. Oh, the valuation. Okay. So, you know, if you count that like, you know, 10 times the annual revenue, then you need to have like a hundred million in annual revenue. Okay. So you need to, you need to like really believe that you can actually get there and that you're like working towards that in order, in order to convince investors to actually invest in you. Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh, this is, you know, we'll get to 100K ARR or whatever, and like, then we'll be good. Like, invest VCs are gonna be like, no, you know. <laughs> so you, you have to be really willing to sign up for that and like really give it your all yeah. um, to, to get investment. Um, on the other hand, uh, so there is sort of a middle ground, which is getting into Y Combinator. Yeah. Um, so Y Combinator is a startup accelerator. They give you uh, $500,000 in funding um, in exchange for uh, 7% of your company plus a certain percent of your next round, um, which is too too hard to explain here how that works. Um, But it's a three month training program and you have uh, these partners that you work with weekly to like see where you're on track. So you let them know what, what your goals are at the end. They help keep you accountable. They sort of have this training program of stuff to read, a learning about sales and marketing and hiring mm-hmm. and all that, all those sort of things. Okay, so it's like a real, because I, I saw that you had, uh, you had completed the Y Combinator yes. school. And so so it's like a real, it's basically like a, a training for a founder in yes. a way. Yes, That's cool. I didn't, so, I didn't know that that's what they did with that. That was super helpful. And that's actually how we got our first funding. Like we're, we spent three months trying to raise funding and we're not getting anywhere. And we ended up happening to get into YC. So you have to apply. So make sure to apply, even if you don't think you can yeah. get in, because we didn't think so, but we got in. Yeah, check out Y Combinator. It's really dope. It's really dope. Yeah, so we got in, and then within a week, we'd raised a million dollars. So Whoa. like, it, so when, when raising money from investors, you either need like to, to be work at a fame company, like, you know, like Facebook, Microsoft, whatever, yeah. or like go to a prestigious school, um, or have some kind of previous like previous founder or something. Um, if you don't, it's really hard to get funding. Like mm-hmm. you have to work really hard. Um, and so YC was like that stamp of approval for us because yes. we didn't have any of those other. Yeah, because I'm listening. I'm like, I'm, I don't. I'm listening to all the things you're listening. I'm like, I didn't hear any time during this during this conversation you had any of those pieces. Yeah. So Man, YC cool. was, is awesome because they they're less risk adverse than a single investor who's putting in like. $3 million or whatever. Yeah. Because YC is only putting in 500K and they're investing in 130 companies every batch, so twice a year. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're like very diversified. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I've seen the list of companies they have on there. It's extremely diverse. It's a huge diverse yes. like group of companies. So it can be easier to get funding that way because they're even if you don't have a product, we didn't have a product before mm-hmm. we raised funding, which is part of the thing that made it hard. Um, and the other thing is they don't push you to raise more money afterwards. So if you're someone that is like not ready to sign up for the billion dollar company and like really go after like the, the real hardcore VCs Mm -hmm. still try to get into YC. Yeah. I would recommend because that's 500 K you get the training program and then you could bootstrap the rest of the way. Man, that's incredible. Especially that train. I'm sure that training was, was pretty valuable. Yes. As a first time founder, first time raising funding, first time like, doing this more ambitious tech startup, it was extremely helpful. That's really good because of course, some people, I, I have a, a just a crap ton of friends that have went to school, they went to business school 
and it's like you know no 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 shade to anyone who went to business school but i'm sure most people that went to went to college for business could say like they didn't really really learn much about like starting a business um aside from like the legal the legalities yeah. and the paperwork and things that go into it and so but Man, that's cool. But like, why Combinator School sounds like something that really, y'all, this is not a pitch. I'm not pitching this to y'all. Nevertheless, of course, we're just giving valuable information. Um, and so, but this, that rip, you got me thinking like, man, that would be a lot of value in doing something like that. Even just for the, the, can someone do the Y Combinator School without the, the 7%? No, you have to give up that 7%. Okay, cool. And I'm, I'm not against doing that, but just in my, in my head, I was trying to see if they had like other options and stuff. So that's really yeah. dope. You know, and one thing I, I find consistently, Anytime you're going to like give up percentage to like an investor or, or accelerator, it's always like at the beginning you're always everybody's like like you know squeezing their knuckles like oh do I really want to give up that seven percent? But like after you after it's done, like nobody ever regrets it. Yeah, like it's just it's like that multiplication thing I talked about. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a really a good way to to put it, and so. Oh man, that, that's super cool. Yeah, def, definitely something to look into. Thank you for uh, sharing that. So. So with that, because I know that it's listed on your LinkedIn, and I saw um, saw it mentioned that you did the Y Combinator School, is so you mentioned that being like a bit of a stamp of approval. So that's something that investors and others see to be like, hey, you know, we can go ahead and kind of like we could we could better trust this founder, yes, because they went through that. So is it something that some founders fail? Oh yeah, like yeah. only two percent, or I think it's even less, a percent and a half of the applications get accepted. Okay, so getting accepted in and of itself is hard. Yes. And is it something where some people don't like complete it or? Um, I mean, so they so they get like fifteen to 20,000 applications per okay. batch now. And they invite a certain percentage of those to interview, to a 10-minute interview. And then they make the decision after that. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, if, so if anyone, if you're listening to this and you want to apply, I'm more than happy to review uh, people's YC applications, give feedback on it. Just hit me up. Yeah, yeah. Go to the description notes, show notes, and uh, look at the information in there, and uh, definitely hit them up for that. That's super cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we talked about this because I know I, I'm, I hope y'all got value from that because I definitely got a lot uh, just just learning about that. Because right now we use Y Combinator just to find startup founders that we see interest in that we want to bring on the platform. One to give them exposure, but two just to educate our audience. And so. That's the angle that we use the platform for. And I'm, I was familiar with it being funny, but I, I didn't realize just how granular it actually got. That's yeah. pretty cool. So the, the other, like I would encourage people to apply to YC, but also there's a lot of other uh, accelerators out there besides YC, uh, like Techstars. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, there's a lot, sometimes in just regional places, like there's probably an accelerator here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are also worth applying to. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I've I've heard of a few different accelerators, and but I wasn't I wasn't as familiar as to what I understood just on a, on a high level what it was. But I'm like, man, I'm much more intrigued about them now. Uh, so that's super dope. Thanks for uh, for touching on that. All right, so uh, last questions that we have on here. Um, so want to know what was it that you learned from creating Blitz, uh, Blitz JS that allowed you to be prepared to create flight control and also want to know what's next for flight control and just really just you overall flight control as well as yourself. So the big things that I learned from blitz was I'm pretty good at building developer tools mm -hmm. and marketing them. Okay. And those were like, I was not planning on building a dev tool company 
or like anything before that. I was like planning on building a, I don't know, like an app for farmers or I, I don't know, so something. That, was that the thing, you your idea you had at first and then you were doing blitz on the side? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I really didn't know what I was going to build yet. Um, I was kind of looking at maybe building an application uh, like in the aviation space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was through blitz that I realized what I'm really good at mm-hmm. um, and like this is kind of developer tooling is like really my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really kind of helped set, set me up to have the idea for flight control and then like be good at it. Yeah. I think one thing that I've, I've just kind of heard really between blitz and flight control and also other pieces that you mentioned is just really you really resonating with a pain point of your own and then you you seeing an opportunity that's there and you stepping out on it. Yeah. And that's good. I th- I'm like, everything I do is pretty intuitive. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't try to force things that's like not, like, no, that's not working. But if I have an intuitive sense of like, like I know, like I need, to, I'm gonna be a CEO someday. Like I'm gonna work, like no matter how hard it is, like I'm gonna get there, you know? Yeah. Um, but there was like a period of time where I knew that I was gonna build a company but I, there was no of that intuitive sense of like, yeah, this is going to be the one. It was like, eh, like maybe this will work. I don't know. Like I'll just you know, work on it. But I wasn't really giving it my all. Mm-hmm. But when it came to Blitz, like I knew. Yeah. When it came to Flight Control, like I knew. Like this is this is the thing to like really invest in. Yeah. Man, that's so fire. Man, I learned a lot during this. Uh, really some things for me to sit on. Uh, so last curveball question. Uh, this is something that the audience will end up asking in the comments is a flight control like what roles is flight control looking to hire for either now or the near future well hopefully we'll be hiring hundreds of people over the over the coming years um as of today uh we don't not hiring anyone we just brought on two summer interns okay Uh, so we're at team eight eight right now which is which is really fun um but some of it is you your co-founder and then three full-time engineers a a senior developer advocate okay and then two interns Okay, and what do you? I guess what is your co-founder operate as, and what do you? He's CTO. Okay, so he runs engineering. I'm CEO. I do product design, marketing, sales, everything else. That's too much stuff. Man, it's so crazy how even with your technical, your technical prowess and background, how now you stepped over into the side that you. It literally almost a not a full circle moment, but it really kind of goes back to at the beginning of the interview where you saw early on. You said, "Hey, I can do those things," and you were suppressed into this role and now even though you you still have that knowledge you use that knowledge to find the pain point to create these businesses but now you're on that other side yeah man congratulations i love it it's it's like it's truly a dream come true like i'm just so fulfilled at work um and it's like some people like lament going from engineer to ceo because you're not coding much you know mostly but i i love it it's just you're still doing engineering yeah but instead of just at the software level now it's like this massive more multi-dimensional thing now you have software and people and markets and users and and like everything else um and it's like how do you build this massive you know socio-technological system mm. to function and grow as itself as like a healthy organism um and like it's it's just so fascinating. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. 
Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.